headphone. That's good to have on. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe turn the headphone volume down a little bit. Okay. Tiny bit. You know, we're live. Top right. Top right. Uh -huh. There should be some oh, master yeah, switch. Down. That better, better. Oh, up a little bit more. Up okay. a little bit more. I know this is exciting, everyone. Well, up a little bit more. <laughs> right there. Okay. A little higher. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Put a little headphone over there. University Look, of Science. We're full of pie and cake, right? And and technical difficulties. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. Hi. A lot of technical difficulties. I don't even know how to put on headphones today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're just gonna stop this recording right now. And you might wonder what I have on my neck. This is a um, mm -hmm. beautiful necklace that was made by your daughter. Here, yeah. Let's get you more in the in the shot no, than me. No. Yeah. I, I, do you wanna I, do you wanna place bets I'm gonna on? I'm take this off my head. Go ahead. <laughs> cranky. Yeah, I'm cranky. I'm very cranky. <laughs> Scoot that back this way. You're wrong. What are the, the people like, yeah, we need to see more Matt. Let's have a lot more Matt in the, in the shot. Okay, I'll put on the headphones. Hi. <laughs> precious look, time here. Look, you know. We're, we're scratching off like X's on the calendar in the 18 hours that we have to make this album. See yes. the reference? Who gets the reference? Who gets the reference? Okay, is there anybody here? There's no one here anyway, so see, it doesn't it's matter. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi. It, it's Nancy and Matt here the day after Thanksgiving. We are not full of pie right now. We're full of cake. Full of pound cake, yeah. Full of pound cake because uh, Coco, Matt's daughter, and I just made a pound cake, and we ate half of it, like, instantly. Yeah. But um, Matt came over today, and we both, we did something last night. Each of us did something that we... um. <laughs> it was the most okay boomer Friendsgiving ever in that a uh, bunch of us uh, went and had a delightful, wonderful uh, Thanksgiving, with the exception of the poisoning my daughter part, which is a little <laughs> bit unfortunate, but we don't need to talk about that too much. Um, she went to the emergency room. That's all you need to know, really. Urgent care. She's Different. fine. She's fine. She's fine. Um, but uh, that, so all of us uh, went home <laughs> and apparently with only light coordination, maybe some power of suggestion, but... Basically, me, Nancy, and Moynihan, and Joanna. Oh, did Joanna too? Yeah, I mean, I think oh, they, they were, were together. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all like went home, belly full of pie and turkey, and they all watched the Get Back documentary. So <laughs> with Peter Jackson and the Beatles. So yes, yeah, so this is Peter Jackson's making a documentary, putting together the footage that was shot in January of 1970. 69. January of 1969. Oh. Yeah. So uh -huh. the. Um, uh, we've been, Nancy and I were on uh, in the other room uh, talking about this because uh, I'm one of those awful people who knows too much about the Beatles and like played in, you know, uh, played in front of the Lennon wall in uh, in Prague and played in Beatles cover bands when I was in high school. It's terrible. The whole thing's terrible. Uh, and so no, uh, that stuff imprinted in my brain no matter how much I've forgotten it. And so we've been kind of uh, catching up on the uh, weird um, compressed as hell schedule of these four dudes which is one of the greatest things about this documentary is that it gets that sense but i want to say something i am not that person who's yeah. been a total beetle mania person uh or i know i mean i know as much as the next guy about the beatles if you go into it with the right kind of curiosity it is mind-blowingly fascinating i mean it was also excruciating to watch for me last night. Just um, uh, someone who was at Scott Ross, who's working on the Paloma Media website with us. And he's like, I was like, did you watch it? And he's like, no, I'm going to wait for Zoe, who's nine year old to get back from it. I was like, I, I don't 
know that this is what you want. And I, he's like, you know, but you're, they're big Beatles fans. I'm like, I don't, I don't see this being as something a nine-year-old is going to be interested in. I mean, sophisticated kids. They're raised well, um, despite the parents. Um. <laughs> no, it's a... Uh, well, do you want to tee it up, what it's about, or do we need to, or just want to just jump right into it? Uh, so for the non-Beatles heads, the people who haven't paid attention to this, Peter Jackson, who did the great documentary, uh, whose name I forget, but, you know, They Shall Not Die Young or something like that, uh, the World War One, oh, he right. meticulously right, 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 right. Re, uh, found all this World War One footage, and you know how, like, when you see... Uh, all that old footage or like of, you know, Babe Ruth swinging a bat. The time's all messed up. They're like too fast and they're kind of trotting around the bases because of the speed of the camera. So in his World War One documentary, he uh, got the speed right meticulously, which is a big technical, technical uh, haul, um, but then also very meticulously. It didn't just like, you know, drop a switch and colorize it. He had all of the uh, uniforms because he's a collector himself, so he knew exactly the the shade and the hue, and he got a teams full of deaf lip readers and then voice actors, and so uh, suddenly they recreate a universe that we thought was kind of uh, uh, impossible for us to understand. And well, so, they humanize them. They 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 don't look like picture like people in an old photo anymore. They like and now we yeah, which gives you a much more kind of intimate. Uh, look into the tragedy of World War One, which is really the, the terrifyingly bloody war. Just France alone lost four million out of eighteen million people um, in World War One. That's why every time you go to a any uh, size of any village in France, there's a gigantic World War One memorial, and it's just awful. Um, so Peter Jackson had done this already, the Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings guy, um, and I think the Beatles approached him and just pointed out, "Hey, look, we had a film crew." Um, in 1969, as we were doing rehearsals and like working out songs and preparing thing things for the what eventually became the Let It Be record and movie, which was the last thing the Beatles released in May of 1970. But it wasn't the last thing that they recorded. They recorded Abbey Road was their like final recorded uh, statement. Let It Be became famous because it came out in May 1970. The Beatles officially broke up in April 1970. And they had a film crew there the whole time and ended up releasing this documentary, which was sort of a sour, you know, uh, kind of grimy colored um, uh, thing. It's now kind of impossible to find. Um, and that for understandable reasons, emphasized the tensions within the band that led to the breakup because that's what the world was obsessed with and um, agonizing over at the time the first thing was released. And so the Beatles, who've been sitting on this and milking wonderfully uh, the for more than 50, 50 years, 50 years, 50 years. This, this intellectual property, there's always like just a nicely timed kind of release. No matter how much, you know, the families and the individual members might have clashed or and, and you know, still maybe don't all unreservedly uh, love each other, they managed to collaborate on the business. And in the business, they smartly approached Peter Jackson and said, hey, look, remember that movie that was kind of sour and that we've kind of allowed to go out of print? There's many scores and scores of hours. 1,600, I think. 1,600 no. hours? Is was it that it? many? I... Some, some unfathomable yeah. amount of footage that someone who is really good at restoring old sounds and, and colors and images would have a field day with that. And also maybe with the passage of time, there are other things to emphasize besides just the fractious nature of the band, the relationships that are fraying and going sour. And so, uh, but other than that, as far as I know, they didn't really have any uh, kind of orders on Peter Jackson. We're talking here on Saturday, 
Yeah, uh, no, Friday. Fridays. Yeah, we can't. Holidays, Nobody knows what pie, day it is. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the second episode is already out, but we haven't seen it yet. Yep. And I hope Moynihan is not texting me about it right now because I need to see it with with uh, clean eyes later on. So we're kind of reacting to the first episode. But anyways, uh, one of the greatest things about it now and the way that Peter Jackson emphasized it, it's about the thing that we can never see, right? Like the Beatles are this force of nature. Love them or hate them, you have to, you can't deny yeah. them. They wrote Juggernaut. a bunch of songs that, yeah. that mean something to a lot of people and are like objectively good. Um, the, the miracle of their creation was always elusive. You never saw them write the songs. Um, and the original uh, uh, movie of this, which I have not seen, the 1970 movie, uh, but I've seen bits of, understandably didn't really focus on that uh, nearly as much. Peter Jackson did. So it's about, um, you know, the relationship that these guys have. They're sitting around and they've got they've got three weeks, essentially, or a month um, to write, rehearse, learn and perform these songs. Right for their next album, and they're trying to get back to basics and do it live. They're also like trying to figure out, okay, so is it going to be a concert? Is it going to be in Libya? <laughs> they have a film director, and they're they're shooting all this kind of stuff. They're making all these decisions. They're also, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, they are breaking up, and George Harrison is quitting, and there are these tensions in the band, and Yoko is there weirdly, and Nancy's going to talk about Yoko in a I second because she's mad. I am mad. at Yoko. I am. Mad You're at so Yoko. mad at Yoko. Well, because well, I want to just back up a second here. Like again, I am not like a Beatles scholar or anything like this. I had certain ideas of like who they were, what they did within the band. And the, you know, Jackson is just brilliant. He, in like 10 or 12 minutes, he shows you from like 1956 when they first got together, when, when John Lennon was 16 and Paul McCartney was 14 and George Harrison was 13. And then it just like, zoom, 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 takes you to like 1969. It's just mayhem. It's crowded. It's people. It's, it's just amazement. And it's an ama it's amazement in their eyes too. And then you like see them changing as the culture is changing. We were talking about, it's like, did they, did they create the culture? Did they ride the wave of the culture? Well, it's both obviously. Right. But you have certain ideas of who these characters are when you're someone like me, who is not a scholar of things. I mean, Matt could sit here and tell you and will at some point lots and lots and lots about different songs and when's and why but i'm sort of thinking like you know ringo is this guy and george is this guy well you've got this incredible 12 minute mini and then all of a sudden you've got four guys in this cavernous sort of studio it's not it's like more like a it's warehouse that's a, uh, yeah, a film studio yeah it's just big and it's just them and it's like some people that are working around and it's four guys quietly trying to create under a gun when they are this far from breaking up. And you see each person's personality in relief and in relation to each other. And I will tell you, I did not expect to realize that Ringo Starr is all love. Peace and love. He peace is and love, just, peace and love. And not peace and love like you, yeah, peace and love. Like this guy is so solid when everybody else is fraying in their own ways and you can see like the the one who's like the beaten dog and then the one who's like the the hectoring wife <laughs> and then the guy that's just like super stoned and it's just but at the same time it's so charged every little thing and everything that's said it's it's mind-blowing. And if you decide that you want to enter this world and look at it and understand what's going on, I mean, we sat for like four hours and just talked about this like, oh, and what about that? And it's um, it's crushing in a way. And it's also incredible 
incredibly beautiful because you are watching people create like beautiful, beautiful songs on the spot, including what was the one that um, when John wasn't there? Uh, I mean, we, we get to see Paul McCartney just like he's sitting. There's Ringo sitting on the on the on the edge of the drum riser, and George sitting next to him here, and Paul just going, and he's they're sort of talking, and he's kind of doing this, and before you know it, you're watching him create on the spot the basic groove and also the verse and the chorus of Get Back yep. on the spot. Yep. That's just happening right in front of you, which is not something that one sees in a lot of music documentaries. It's kind of impossible to find. Uh, but, but what's interesting is that, you know, usually it's the four of them and then Yoko. We'll get into Yoko in a second. But like it was morning and John was late. And so it's just like, you know, George kind of comes in. He's like, oh, I had to have my breakfast. I was a little late. And then, uh, and then, um, and then Ringo sits there and they, Instantly, now you're seeing a lot of fractiousness and a lot of like kind of quiet aggression in a lot of scenes, but this is super intimate. And all of a sudden, you can see the way George's body is responding. And then the camera goes down on Ringo's foot, boom, 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 keeping the beat. And you realize that these guys have access to what they've had for now 10 years. They can instantly get into the slipstream and create this incredible stuff, but they also can't. Yeah, they can't because it's falling apart, and it, it's. I I I hope I'm getting this across how crazy to watch this is, and to realize they're doing this with cameras watching, but but they can't even have, they can't even be self conscious. There's just weak vulnerability is an overused word, but man, the vulnerability on display here is off the charts, and um, it was it was very beautiful and really really painful i thought to yeah watch. i mean you're watching you're watching a divorce you're watching um, a divorce and for sure and it's it's even more uh moving on some level because the divorce element is actually underplayed compared to the original and hey bishop thanks dude and what um, you have to read because B- my- bu vandals uh gives us a uh, little a little ten dollar top chat look at that look at that uh, thanks can, guys that. Uh, sweet loretta martin thought she was a woman but she was another man loretta went and flagged the beatles for hate speech now youtube has the beatles banned that's funny that's funny i i uh i created a a playlist uh, on spotify somewhere that's called short people if you find i don't know if you can easily like search on my own own uh, playlist but it was it's of uh songs uh, starting with short people by randy newman that you could imagine getting themselves kind of in trouble or canceled or at least like you can hector them enough and and the band won't play it live anymore as the rolling stones have done recently with brown sugar um and so there's a long one and you can put some beatles ones on there i put uh, um what's it called run for your life Better run for your life if you can, little girl. <laughs> Hide your head in the sand. Catch you with the ma- another man. That's the end, little girl. But this song is interesting, the Sweet Loretta, because at one point during the 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 show last night, they said it, they were making it a protest An- song, an anti, anti- uh, Enoch Powell song. Moynihan has uh, is a little bit. Uh, he thinks they might have overemphasized that. Uh, well, shocking. To the, uh, okay. The, compared to the time, but but the lyrics were it was all about like someone Pakistani and whatever. I would say, guys, if you are at all interested in this or even if you don't think you're, if you're just interested in like human nature and creation this is well worth watching and if you when you sign up for espn i got the disney plus for free so oh. i don't know if that still exists but so let's get to the question what you were the one that started with yoko today so i mean i um i, I forget what, yeah it was uh, there's a great moment in this and 
you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, not a spoiler alert here, that the, the band end up did breaking up and there, and there were some moments in yeah, there. So it, yeah. um, in the first episode, uh, George Harrison quits uh, halfway through a day. He's had enough. Paul's been like ordering him around and he can never get over his sort of little brother uh, role in the band. And, and this is at a time when George Harrison is being remarkably Incredible. creative. All the stuff that comes in on All Things Must Pass, including that song, which they run through. And it's beautiful. The vocals that they do on that, that take. Oh, my God. Because those dudes could sing, turns out. Yeah, they and can. Sing, sing good harmony. But George would sort of meekly put in, you know, he would uh, introduce like, oh, this is a little song. I wrote um, last night. And uh, it's, it's really easy to learn. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not hard. And like just sort of tail between his legs. And John, who's a D-bag, always has, always was, obviously my favorite Beatle. Um, and uh, <laughs> just like contemptuous and dismissing. And like you, you realize we're a rock band, right? <laughs> and, and, like, and Paul has just been like, you know, he's just like you're, you're just, what's that, nagging wife. He's like the nagging wife, and and it's just. And like, he knows it, and he hates it too. And and he, he hates it, but he and he's like, I hate this, but but listen, you guys, and and George is like, what would you just like? Just tell me what you want to do, and I'll do it. Just like for, to get him to stop, and it's just. Uh, but at the same time, as we said today, but he's also he's also right. It's like if they're gonna get this together, they gotta get it together. But so George cracks and he quits and says, you know, see you in the clubs and he walks out. See you in the clubs. And they lads uh, or whatever. And uh and they go off and they're kind of making jokes about it like, "Oh, let's get we'll just get Clapton uh, and replace him." <laughs> Dicks. Love it. Um and they're kind of bluffing their way through it, but like, it's oh, obviously man. that they're pretty freaked out. And when they come back, oh man. Uh, and it's just a three-piece, um uh if that's the most punk rock that you'll you, ever hear the Beatles. Big. They're just absolutely screaming and wailing. And just the John who, you know, he only has so much to kind of uh, uh, give vocally. He's obviously starting to descend into some heroin problems. Um, and, you know, he can't sing Don't Let Me Down, which is a wonderful song. At he kept, full he kept saying, it's too high. It's too high. Uh, that was a uh, harmony. Oh, but, oh, even, but even Don't Let Me Down, like it gives, it's uh, the, you know, if you think about it in your ears, it's like, it's a big kind of, Eddie Cochran scream, as he would put it, and um, so he'd been been trying not to hit these really loud, angry notes. But the afternoon session after George quit, man, she's like, yeah, it's Johnny Rotten stuff, screaming every all of them, uh, um, just Johnny Rotten, and that's when they bring in Yoko <laughs> behind well, the mic okay, the whole, for the first let, time. Let's hold on for her for a second. But I mean, this is so punk at this point that like Paul is like swinging around on stuff like on a jungle gym, <laughs> right? And, but they're just like. <laughs> No, it's it's bananas, and you realize how much stuff has been crammed in for all these years, and now that finally something has broken, it's like, it's relief, but terror, but what's next? It's 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 crazy, and then it's really moving, and the hugging, and the everything. Okay, so... She hasn't cried yet. This is really a, a good sign. Yeah, because there's a little crying every day these days. But anyway, uh, you started out by saying the... Um, the uh, the kind of line in the first movie or just in general was that Yoko was like the villain, you know, so Yoko broke up the band and we started talking about this today and he's like, but you know, oh no, I know what you're saying. You're like, but Nancy, look, you know, there's that part. She's sitting there with Linda Eastman and it's nice. And they're, they, you know, they didn't really emphasize like how nice that kind of relationship was going. I was like, are you fucking high? So just in my defense, before Nancy rip, rips her apart, uh, no, I was just saying compared to the way that the first one landed and the way that the world kind of reacted to the Beatles breaking up, a lot of people, I mean, that's the biggest explanation is that it's Yoko's fault sure, she came in. Sure, sure. Um, and that under, 
cuts or like it leaves out a lot of other dynamics that are happening, including, you know, Ringo had quit the band. Your sainted Ringo had quit like three weeks before or, or three months before in the during the recording of the Wine album. I think uh, when Paul kept doing the drumming parts and uh, and like uh, I don't know anything about this. Um, so so uh, you know they had uh, there was plenty of tensions, especially after their manager Brian Epstein dies. Um, uh, but uh, so uh, what I was remarking on that just in the first episode, um, I was surprised by the lack of obvious irritation caused by Yoko because famously, you know, people get grumpy about Yoko sitting on amplifiers and being everywhere at all times in the movie. We haven't gotten there yet. There's only one moment that, of kind of little Paul uh, McCartney shiv saying, oh, there goes the couple of the year towards the end of the thing. So I was just remarking that. And Nancy was saying, you didn't pick up. You're not picking up. You're too. not picking up. So, so what are, OK, so how do like how does a Yoko enter into the Beatles situation? It's like if you've got like a super happy marriage and everything is working, like other people don't like come in and become part of the marriage, right? Well, obviously something's going on with the Beatles and a Yoko is able to enter the picture. So, okay, so here's what's happening. There are these four guys in the in the studio thing where they're gonna, so they're sitting around, you know, literally knee to knee on folding chairs, working out. Oh, and who's there too? Right next to John, this close, the whole time. And what is she doing? She's sitting there reading a newspaper macrameing, eating a fucking sandwich. And she's like, what the fuck is this? This is so incredibly aggressive. This is not just like, like someone's going to, I mean, they had the weird Hare Krishna dude that was like George's friend sitting yeah. on the, at the, like, okay, so people, people can come and visit. That's right. No, no, no. But they're sitting on the edge. Yoko is not visiting. Yoko is literally sitting right there. If this is not aggressive, I don't know what aggressive is. And then Matt's like, yeah, I get that. But you know, there was that thing. So Linda Eastman comes in. So Linda Eastman, who Paul McCarty would marry, and I guess they're newly together. And you can see they're kind of, kind of very sweet together. She, she's not there very often. And she kind of sits off as a normal human relationship boy to the side. And at one point they've got like Yoko talking with Linda. You can't hear it. And Matt's like, but you know, they, you, they, they weren't emphasizing Nancy, the part that they were kind of getting along fine. I'm like, Matt, okay. Matt, this is the three shots of Linda and Yoko. The first one, Linda's just like sitting there kind of like primly and nicely. I'll be, I'll be Linda. At your Linda. And Yoko's going, I'm going to do it to the camera. Yoko's going. That's the first shot. The second shot, she's going. And the third shot, she's going. <laughs> and Linda's just sitting there going like. I mean, this is so. I don't know exactly why this relationship happened, what kind of fractures were in the band, but I, I can't say that she was, she's not the reason that the band broke up. The brand was going to break up, but she was a symptom of the breaking up. And I found her to be so freaking annoying. I, I was so angry that she was just sitting there being so like passive aggressively aggressive. And then you, and then the director, I thought this did this beautifully because after George dips and they're there the next day, they're recording a song. Oh, and Yoko happens to be on it. And what is she doing? She's screaming into the microphone. That's all she's doing. She's screaming. It's like the absolute breakdown of a world. And there she is. Ugh, I don't like her I love, at all. I love this is what happens when someone has not been immersed in Beetle World for the last 50 years is that Nancy's coming fresh. 
to, <laughs> to the emotions that people had 50 years ago today. But, but, but I think, <laughs> I think, okay, I think with a little, there's a little distance to it. And of course, look, it's like when people, like when we write articles and people are like, oh, you did such a good job. I'm glad you didn't tell me like what to think. You let me come to my own decisions. It's like, yes, but please remember, I constructed this picture for you. And that is what Jackson is doing. But he's doing it kind of obviously subtly. <laughs> So, um, I can't, uh, I can't recommend it, uh, highly enough. It's, uh, it's amazing. If you're a, if you're a music nerd at all, or if you like the Beatles, that helps certainly. Um, uh, but even if you don't like the Beatles, I swear, um, it's, it is just interesting Absolutely. snapshot Absolutely. of, of like the fraught nature of relationships and, you know, uh, John Lennon was the dominant figure in that band when it started though. If you look at the first, yep. you know, uh, four or five years of recorded output, he dominates and Paul gets a couple of songs in and George will get one and they'll throw some Buck Owens cover to, to Ringo. Um, Who is so dear in this. Oh, <laughs> man. He is. I he mean, is. what has he been saying for 50 years since? He's just been saying peace and love. He has a day, his birthday, which is the same as my oldest daughter's uh, birthday. Um, he's been doing this thing for 10 years where it's peace and love day, where he wants everyone to get outside and film themselves saying peace and love. Hey, I'll and do they it. go to peace and love square and it's peace and love this. And I just, if I, uh, so another Spotify, uh, list that I recommend people do cause I, I did it. Uh, but a couple of years ago I went back Oh yeah, yeah. and painstakingly, um, for a lot of probably complicated psychological reasons, um, uh, put together, uh, went through all of the Beatles post-breakup solo work, right? And said, well, you know, could you pull from them each year or each, you know, some kind of time period and uh, cobble together a, a coherent and good album out of it? And and I did that partly so because so I could familiarize myself with, uh, I'd never really listened to All Things Must Pass by George Harrison that much, which is widely uh, considered to be the greatest post-Beatle record, um, besides like maybe Band on the Run or... Uh, or Imagine, or, or uh, uh, the Plastic Ono band, but it's up there. And so it was an excuse to do that, but it was also like an interesting way to see the kind of effect that the breakup had. And oh my God, there's a song by Ringo Starr that I had never heard before. It's called Early 1970, I believe it's called. And uh, <laughs> that's what it's called. How much more literal can we get, right? It's called Early 1970. And each verse is about one of the different three other guys at the band. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> got his mama by his side. She's Japanese. It's a lyric. <laughs> not, not making that up. Who's that about? He screamed and they cried. Now they're free. And when they come to town, I hope he's going to play with me. That's the chorus. Like when they come to town, I hope they're going to play all three. Uh, but well, didn't you tell me then later on today, you said that after the breakup, they did still keep playing for each other. I think about this, guys. Yeah, I mean, Ringo stars. Think about that. Ringo had one of the best albums also. And I believe it's just called Ringo from 1973. That's the one that um, uh, I believe has Photograph on it. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Another and, song that could have caught on your, <laughs> on, your, on your list. There's too many songs involving 16-year-olds to make that well, list. Well, you know. Uh, you, have to, you have to get down to like 14 to really uh, qualify. To qualify. But um, uh, each one of the guys wrote him one of those songs. I mean, uh, the song Photograph is which is an absolutely beautiful song. Also, It Don't Come Easy, what, probably my yeah. favorite Ringo song. Yeah. Both written, 
produced and performed on by George Harrison. This is it's beautiful. I I, I again I I so highly recommend it. I look forward to watching the second part tonight. Uh, I'm not gonna cry, uh, but I did want to just because I want to because we're here. Um, I had an opinion piece this week in the New York Times. In the what? The no, in the New York Times. They asked me to write it, which was kind of cool. And um, that ran like late Monday night. It's Friday, I believe. And um, I, I mentioned that because I'd love for you guys to go read it. I think it's behind a paywall, but if you want it and I got a PDF fit, I can send it to you. Um, but it was been interesting because I got into it a little bit today. It's a, I think it's a really balanced piece, like trying to like, look, we, we've seen what we've done here like in the past couple of years. Like, let's do something new, right? This is in the wake of the Rittenhouse verdict. Yes. And it's sort of ways to think and talk about the demonstrations, the riots, the backlashes and whatever of uh, the summer of 2020, including in ongoing places like Portland. Yeah. And they asked me to write it. It's like, you know, because obviously very polarizing and after the Rittenhouse verdict, that as well, of course. And they just asked me to sort of write it. Anyway, I wrote it and uh, I just did get into it a little bit today on Twitter because people that just see it like as a weirdly hateful and negative piece when I just I just don't even I can't even get there at all. I just can't. I don't. I don't know what to say. And and then you realize when you go back and forth, it's just they just don't. Just don't want to. As an outsider, uh, it it seems that a lot of people who remembered being mad at Nancy in Portland um, get super mad to be reminded that she exists in spaces that they don't. Um, and uh, there's that. And uh, and so look for any opportunity to, you know, try to meekly with a really bad sort of left-handed throwing arm uh, <laughs> fling poo in her general direction. Oh, but it's true. We were talking about that today, not just me in general, but just like any little, you know, I've been talking lately about how, oh, that's another thing, that it's like like people that get addicted to these being so angry all the time, they're like they're like truffle pigs. They just keep looking for like the last little bit, of, can I get some hate sustenance here? And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's true, doesn't matter if it's fake, doesn't matter if you know anything about it. It's like, it'll suffice now. It's going to be like a, an arrow in my quiver and it's it's just like, guys, come on, let's let like let's do something better than that. And speaking of pigs, I still haven't written that essay, but one 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 uh, one final thought here. Talking about crying, uh, you can do it. You can do it. I can do it. I did it, man. Did I uh, watching this movie called Pig, um, starring Nicolas Cage? Where's my pig? Oh, man. Who who took my pig? I I. It's very good. Uh, I, I think I am going to try to write a piece about this because I was really, really moved by this for a number of reasons. Maybe I'll, I'll write that tomorrow and try to get it up on. Where am I going to post it, Matt Welch? Palomamedia.com. Palomamedia.com. Guys, we threatened and we promised and we were super late with it, but we do have a website, palomamedia.com. Go up there. We're, we're putting fresh content up there every day. You might be watching this there right this very minute. And um, yeah, come come hang out with us while we get the bugs out. We're kicking lots of tires and getting bugs out and um, trying to put out some good stuff for you guys. Amen. Amen. Who took my pig? <laughs> okay. Bye. Where's my pig? <laughs>